RadioInfluence.com. We are back for another edition of the MMA Report Podcast. I am Jason Floyd. That is Daniel Galvan. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Harry's. We're going to talk about the great offer Harry's has for the MMA Report Podcast listener later on in the show. Daniel, this is the first time me and you've had a chance to do a, a show since the calendar turnover to 2023 and the last 11 days. Oh, my. So much has happened in this sport since this calendar turnover in 2023. Yeah. Um, holy crap. We got to stop taking weeks off. Okay. We got to <laughs> stop taking weeks. Like we have a run sheet and in our run sheet, so much crap has happened that Jose Aldo may be being a, a, a hosting a, a man who plotted a coup in a country isn't on it. Like that's how much crap has happened. Uh, but obviously the biggest news story is the one that you texted me last week. And when you originally texted it to me, I didn't actually read it. I didn't, I just saw it and I put my phone down and I don't know what the hell I was doing. I was probably with my girlfriend is probably what I was doing. I saw a oh, TMZ article, Dana White. Oh, interesting. I'll look at it later. I put it in my phone. Didn't look at my phone until I wanted to text you something later. And when I went to text you, whatever I was going to text you, I, I, I looked at it and I was like, Oh, damn, this is crazy. What is this? And I clicked on it, and I was like, well, that's a wrap on Dana. And, well, it's not a wrap on Dana, apparently, but that's my immediate thought after watching the video of Dana White slapping his wife. You know, look, I have questioned the media coverage of this story. Now, here is, you know, we talked about so many things have happened over the last 11 days in Mixed Martial Arts. You know what I feel as, as like, was a big story? but I feel like has been totally forgotten about. What's that? Jake Paul signed with a PFL. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that is a really big story, but it feels like it happened two years ago, even though it happened, what, two days ago, three days ago? Uh, that That's a huge story. It's, the PFL just signed their biggest star. As big of a star as Kayla Harrison is, Jake Paul is so much bigger. I mean, Jake Paul could fight a paper bag on pay-per-view and he would make money. Mm-hmm. That's how big of a superstar he is. That's a major sign by PFL. And that may be, mm-hmm. there's maybe some, I mean, think about it. What does that lead to if you're the PFL? Well, maybe that leads to signing a certain uh, man from Stockton, California under your under your umbrella. There, there are ginormous news stories that happened this week. It, it's, it's just, it's mind-blowing. Yeah, I mean, I put four things down in terms of headlines that have happened over the last week. And... You know, number one, we'll talk about dating here in a moment. Number two, I have Phil Baroni allegedly uh, murdering his girlfriend in Mexico. And then three, I have Jake Paul signs of the PFL. And then four is something we added just yesterday to the run sheet. And that's AJ McKee re-signing with Bellator and Scott Coker about an hour or so ago. He announced the field for the lightweight Grand Prix. We'll talk about that throughout this show. I mean, there, there is so many things that happen. We got some bold predictions to talk about i will tell you um i had to change my bold prediction because uh one of my bold predictions i had to kind of scratch out 
Because that was going to be AJ McKee signs with the PFL. <laughs> so clearly, that, that that is not the case. Uh, of course, we got a UFC show. One Championship has a show this week as well. Plus, we got agree disagree on something Josh Thompson said about Islam Mahachev. So we'll get into all that. But you know, look, we're we're not going to rehash everything that's happened with Dana White. We just kind of want to use this as our reaction to what we've seen. And you know, one of the things that I tweeted about last week was essentially talking about the media coverage of this, there had been some pieces that just made you absolutely shake your head. Looking at you, Kevin, Ioli, that piece you wrote about Dana white made me shake my head. But the one thing I keep going to back on this story is if this video is of a UFC fighter is the coverage and the push by the media different than what it is. If it was another MMA promoter would the media coverage be different? My gut feeling says the media coverage would be different. I, I think so. And I think when we're talking about the sports media coverage, there's really only one media entity that is really important because I feel like a lot of the MA media has done a solid job of covering it. When I look at like the MA fight, like MA fighting people, obviously Ariel has been on top of it. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to sports media and mainstream sports media there's only one entity that i can think of that matters it's four letters is espn Mm -hmm. that's kind of the discourse that really can influence mainstream people and it has not been there the criticism of dana white has not been there on the airwaves consistently Mm -hmm. you know dan lebertard has really covered this topic on his show uh well and if it's any other MMA promoter, probably it, it is covered more on ESPN, in my opinion. I think because ESPN is showcasing the UFC, there is some unwritten thing that is going on where it is not a topic. But this is a major news story. And this is more than a, a, a fighter. It's literally the head of the organization. It's the equivalent of Adam Silver doing something like this. and. I was raised in the age of Ray Rice. I was raised in that age. And I thought the lesson we learned was there is really no excuse for domestic violence. Dana White's life was not in danger. And he was not in danger of a serious injury. He slapped his wife two times after she slapped him. It should be the biggest story on ESPN. Oh, actually... That day, it should not have been, actually, because that day we literally had an NFL player in a very scary situation. Mm -hmm. So I'll give them a break on that specific day because that was that 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 day was crazy. Like that day I got in my mom's car and I I put on the radio and it was the regular news talking about the Monday Night Football game. And that's when I knew something went wrong. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, moral of the story is to answer your question. Yes, I, I think the media dropped the ball. And when I'm saying the media, I'm saying ESPN. I think pretty much everyone else I've seen or read over the past weeks has done a good job. Granted, I will tell you this. I don't consume a whole lot of mixed martial arts media, but I listen to the co-main event podcast. I, I watch Ariel's show, and I'm on Twitter quite a lot. 
you know, when I was doing some of my prep for the show and, and pulling some things that have been talked about on MMA Twitter, Twitter in general, over the past couple of days, I went and pulled the Jeff Wygham tweet. And, of course, this is a tweet that gained a lot of steam where uh, his initial tweet on January 5th said, we've been told not to write anything dissonant on social media about the Dana White situation. I understand why and have abided by that. I just ask you all to understand that some of us at ESPN do do not have as soft a take on this. Do not have as soft a take on this on domestic violence. And then he uh, quote tweeted, say clarification. Uh, there was no edict from ESPN bosses regarding the white situation. But in general, we are strongly discouraged from incendiary posts on social media. And with a business partner, things are sensitive. My bad on the wording. I thought that follows follows still stands. And what I thought was very interesting was the first comment I see is from AJ Perez, who's a reporter and AJ Perez wrote, having worked for Fox sports, went land the UFC. This was implied. So I thought that was really interesting. Another uh, tweet that I saw uh, came from the Atlantic. Uh, Jamel Hill wrote a piece and this was a quote from her piece. Other than a few days of remarkable, mild criticism, Ultimate Fighting Championship President Dana White appears to be avoiding any real professional consequences. And, and I think we, we've all seen that. Some of the notes that I wrote down about this story was, um, you know, this is a story that once again shows how powerful Dana White is in this industry. To me, it also shows that we have part of the MMA community, and, and, I, don't, and, and I think it's a very small part, but a part of the MMA community shows that we do have a toxic culture in things that people write on social media. I mean, just go look at any post that the UFC puts, anything out there, you know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> Other notes I have written down here is Endeavor in the UFC. We're 11 days since this or 10 days since this story broke and neither one of them have issued a comment. And you brought up a great point to me the other day in a text message. Would we go 10 days if this was a fighter and the UFC and Endeavor would not have issued a comment? Absolutely not. I don't think so. Now, this is a this is a gigantic decision for Endeavor to make. You know, Dana White is literally the UFC. He is the UFC. They are synonymous with one another. So it's a difficult decision. Whatever decision they make in terms of consequences is going to be long-lasting and is going to impact the business of the UFC. So it is understandable that there may be a delay if there is any decision made, but this is a very long delay, and maybe there won't be any punishment handed out. I, I will unequivocally say... That I think at the very well, firstly, I think Dana White should step down from the UFC. I'm a, I I am a fan of Dana White. I appreciate everything he's done for this sport, but there are certain consequences that, I'm sorry, there are certain actions that require consequences, and especially if you are a leader of an organization, you should be held to a higher standard, and. As much as I believe in second chances, hitting your wife, slapping your wife twice, your second chance can be in a different position than as the leader of the UFC. And that's why I believe Dana White should step down. At the bare minimum, his punishment, in my opinion, should be being suspended for an entire year. And that is my opinion. I believe at the bare minimum, Dana White should be suspended for an entire year, but I believe he should step down. And it's a tough thing. It's a tough decision to make because uh, he is the UFC. And again, I like Dana White, but 
when I look at my own moral code and what's right and what's wrong, what he did was really, really, really wrong. It wasn't a minor gaffe. It was a major mistake. I'm going to say something that I don't know how many people who are in this industry will say. When I first saw that video, one of my initial thoughts was, I wonder if this is really the first time. I'm just, I mean, and that's just being as, as honest as I can be when I watched that video and I just, I was like, man, it, you know, those thoughts go through your mind. Um, you know, and when you watch that TMZ interview, Dana White is not making excuses, but then there's other people that seem to be making excuses for him. And if people did not see the Daniel Cormier uh, comments on the situation, I, I, I fully agree with what Daniel Cormier said here. And he said this on DC and RC. Dana White was wrong. He told you he was wrong. We have been long told our entire lives that we are not supposed to put our hands on women. Dana White himself has gone on record himself to say, you're not supposed to put your hands on women. He understands that. He took accountability immediately. Now, here's the question. And in those in these instances, the one thing you think about first is the family, the children, and the rest of the White family and how they will get through this. But Dana's making no excuses for his actions. Some fires are trying to defend him. He doesn't defend himself. Why should anyone go defend an action that he is saying? Was I wrong? Everyone knows that is wrong. For me, it's what happens next. How does Dana White become a voice for trying to help people in these situations? How does he go forward and lead the charge to try to help people to try to come back from this type of situation, domestic violence and all these things? That's the question for me. It's no debate. It's not like we can sit here for 10 minutes and debate whether or not it was right or it was wrong. There's no debate. Everyone is on the same page. He said it. It's wrong. I know it's wrong. You know it's wrong. And everyone around the world knows it's wrong. But the reality is what comes next. How does Daniel help with this issue going forward? And I absolutely agree with everything that Daniel Cormier said there. I don't know what the punishment should be. I mean, I think at the bare minimum, there should be, you know, Dana White should step aside. For some, I'm not saying that he should, uh, you know, be fired from his role. I'm just saying that right now to me, and he should step aside for some length of time. And I thought Ariel Hawani had a great comment on his show on Monday when he was talking about the fact that Endeavor and the UFC have not put any comment out there. And he said, is there anybody with a pulse over there? And one of the things that we were talking about this in our pre-show meeting, like I truly wonder if you're a female employee in the UFC, what is going through your mind? You saw that video. Video changes everything. Video changes everything. And to me, it's just, it's one of those things. And then, of course, yesterday, there's a letter that gets sent to Ari Emanuel from the Cal California Legislative Women Caucus. And the uh, the two things that really, uh, it was uh, three things that stuck out to me in this letter that was sent to Ari Emanuel. Um, and it was signed by Nancy Skinner, who is a chair senator for the 7th District, and also Cecilia Aguilar-Curry, the vice chair assembly member of the 4th fourth, uh, fourth District. And uh, this is some of the things that stuck out to me in this letter to Ari Emanuel. Quote, in the days since the video was released, you have remained silent. You continue, your continued silence speaks volumes. As you once wrote, silence and inaction are not an option. 
Every day that Mr. White's actions go unaccounted for, your silence becomes more piercing and troubling. At this point, thousands of young men, women, and adults worldwide have seen the video of Mr. White striking his wife. We have also seen his apology. What we have not seen is any consequences for his action. If an athlete were to commit violence against their partner, Mr. White is the leader within the UFC. Who would have determined the consequences? The eyes of the world are on him and on Endeavor. It's going to be very interesting to see, does this, is this what finally gets Endeavor to make a comment or not? I know, and I, I they have to make a comment, I would think. I would think. It, it's been a couple days since that letter came out. And, you know, it's, it, it's crazy. True leadership is something that shows itself in situations that aren't ideal. When Emmanuel made that quote, he was in a comfortable position, sounding high and mighty. Mm-hmm. Now it's time to put up and show your credentials as a leader. And he, Emmanuel has fell short of that. He has fell short of that. This was a significant news story that happened. It's been over a week. It's unacceptable that Endeavor hasn't commented. And it's, it's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a client of Endeavor... How embarrassing is it that the leader of your organization can't come out in a black and white situation here? It's on tape. We saw Dana slap his wife twice. Dana's a man. She's a woman. It, it, it's This is a major story because it speaks to what we as a society are willing to accept and what we think is right and what we think is good. And I think it's important as a society that we make it clear that you shouldn't be hitting your partner, that if you're a man, you shouldn't be hitting your wife. And we need to reject that. And I thought that's what we did when the Ray Rice situation transpired, when we saw that video. I thought that was a, that was a healthy thing for society, that we clearly communicated that this is not okay. And we talk, and, and we communicated that because we knew that stuff like that happened in our society all too often. But it was always a he says, she said situation. And the only reason why it changed was because we had video evidence that made it abundantly clear about what happened. So there was no more hiding and no more excuses. And this is another situation where there is no more excuses. This is why I assume, I assume this is why Dana White got out ahead of this story and immediately apologized because he realized there was no pivoting for him. There was no pivoting for him. And it, it, it appears as though that he's going to skate by, including his stupid slap league. That to me is the thing that it's being delayed a week. Now you work, you've worked in television. Maybe they're editing Dana White out of this program. Maybe that's why, it's, but it's still, you still look at that and you go, what is going on here? I don't know if you saw this article earlier today. It was over at awfulannouncing.com. The title of the article is by is it says this by not doing more Dana White's broadcast partners like ESPN risk credibility. And it says punting on an opportunity to do in-depth journalism comes at a cost. And there's a, a part uh, in this article uh, where it says uh, since then, you haven't heard much about it on ESPN a network with resources to extensively cover a major story that has been relatively silent. 
From the outside looking in, you have to wonder if the network is making a business decision to protect the money by avoiding this topic. That's a question former ESPN columnist and anchor Jamel Hill asked in a critical column on the network's <laughs> lack of substantial response uh, at the Atlantic. Um, you know, look, it's... The, I, I sit back here and, and I go, how are we... 11 days into this and we don't have a comment from Endeavor. We don't have a comment from the UFC. If this was fighter XYZ, you know, we would have a comment that's time. That's why I brought up the point of how different is this story covered? If it's a fighter and not the leader of the UFC, we all know Dana White is the most powerful man in mixed martial arts. We all know that the most powerful men in mixed martial arts. It's Dana White. It's Hunter Campbell. They are the most powerful people in this industry. And I mean, look, from the media side, I'm sure I'm one of many people who've gotten that angry phone call from the UFC. Last time I got that angry phone call was during um, COVID. Yeah. It, they, they didn't like when I, I shared a, a statement from the ABC um, about the fact that they weren't happy that they were um, going on tribal land and doing and self-regulated show in the United States. And uh, I got, I got that call like 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> Any, anyone who's, who has ever brought critical things out there, we've all got those phone calls, you know, and, and usually it's this one. It, it wasn't, it wasn't confrontational. I'll say that it, it, it was not confrontational, but we've all gotten those phone calls. It happens. Um, I will tell you this. I don't think I've ever revealed this on the, uh, on the pod. Dana White blocked me on Twitter years ago. Did he really? You, you know why? Why? You remember when his mom brought out a book? Yeah. She did an interview uh, with another show that was on our station, and everyone on the station got blocked on Twitter. Are you serious? Yep. Wow. What a petty yeah. man. Yeah. That's petty. Yeah. Well, look, that's crazy. That is crazy. That 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 reminds me of the owner of the Knicks, which I don't even want to talk anymore because I don't want to get banned from Madison Square Garden. Uh, crap, that may have already done me in. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it's a crazy situation. Dan is obviously incredibly powerful, um, but as a society, we should we should get together and be like, hey, bro, no, this ain't cool. The fact that we're having a UFC event, it, it, this isn't business as usual. You, sh in my opinion, in my opinion, you should step down. I think being in that position is an absolute privilege, and you should lose that privilege if you slap your wife twice. I, and it's as simple as that. And I, as much as I like Dana White, it's as simple as that. I don't care if it's my own family member, if it's me. Those are the rules that I believe we should live by as a society. Is if you are a leader of an organization and you commit domestic violence, you should no longer be a leader. I think that's a pretty fair rule. I was thinking about bowl predictions and I thought about making a bowl prediction that Dana White is not the UFC president in the next six months. And I, and I, and I started to think about, I was like, well, who would take over two names came to my mind immediately. I don't know if they're the same two minds that would, names that would come to your mind. Daniel Cormier and James Krause. <laughs> No, 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 okay, no Chase Krause, no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Who Brian Stan. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Brian Stan and DC are two statesman type people. 
and I think the money would be there for to entice Stan. I think those are those are great suggestions. I think other than those two men, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to come out and think of someone else. I mean, I, I think Hunter Campbell will serve obviously as you know the guy pulling the strings mm-hmm. for a long time. But other than those two, maybe Forrest Griffin um, could be in that position. I, I don't see it as much as the other two, though. Uh, and who else? Who is there any other names that come to mind for you? No, not. I've heard people mention Shell Son, but I don't. I don't think they would go that nah. route. Yeah, no. Just I, because I of the so. uh, things that have happened, especially with the PED stuff with Shell, I, I don't think they would go that route. Um. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. Who knows? Maybe they'll go with the guy from WWE, uh, Nick Khan. Did he lose his gig? No, but I mean, I'm sure at some point. I'm sure. I don't think Nick Khan will be a part of the WWE a year from now. Um, that I mean, that thing is so crazy. I mean, I went to bed last night thinking the WWE sold to Saudi Arabia, <laughs> and I woke up seeing that those reports aren't true as of now. Um, but yeah, I think it might. Maybe Scott Coker. Co- I, look, yeah. I mean, it, it's like you know, bold prediction. I, or I, I, I will say this. I, I have a, I have a Bellator bold prediction. We'll talk about that in a little bit. I think, uh, I think Mick Maynard, by the way, or Sean Shelby, could also just could. do that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so yeah, we we kind of we kind of gone around it. We've given our takes. And we'll cover it, but in terms, I don't even think that's a bold prediction. I just think that's what should happen next. Yeah, I mean, look, and, it, I, and that's a it, it's a sad thing. It's a sad thing. It, it really is. I have a lot of respect and admiration for what Dana White's done for this sport, and I've always said that I I, I just call it like I see it with Dana. He's a very very um, polarizing person mm-hmm. who says some crazy ass stuff. Who's done some crazy ass stuff, right? I mean, Colin um, Loretta Hunt. Some pretty awful words back in the day. Every, yeah, you stuff know, like that. John Nash, when I was talking about the media coverage, I thought he had a great uh, response to me. Maybe it's not necessarily the media coverage, it's the tone of the coverage of why we're all looking at this in the way that we're looking at it. I get if you're a credential media member and you know you rely on that access, this is a tough story to touch because. You, you, you've seen what's happened to Josh Gross. You've seen what's happened to Loretta Hunt. You've seen what's happened to Ariel Hawani. I mean, let's just be honest about it. Ariel Hawani can survive in this business because of the platform he has. But for a lot of MMA journalists or reporters, they can't, if they lose access the way Ariel Hawani has lost access, they probably can't recover it and they're trying to find a new career. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the good thing for me is that I don't make any, I don't make a career off of mixed martial arts coverage. So I can just say whatever the hell I want. Yeah, I mean, uh, there was a time for me that I think I cared. And then there just came a time of like, I just don't give a crap if you don't like what I say. I'm just going to give, I'm going to give you my, I'm going to tell you how I feel. If you like it, great. If you don't, it, it doesn't affect me. No, exactly. And and the th- it's as simple as this. I just really love this sport. It's been there for me for a long time, and I, I appreciate it. And I just love talking with you every week. And it, it, to me, it shouldn't be on the media. It, it, it should be on the UFC. 
an endeavor and they have to be a strong organization that has good moral values. And I know that's a laughable statement because they've displayed um, an inability to do any action. But the the UFC and, and the Endeavor Brass need to look at themselves in the mirror and say, am I going to create a work environment where we have moral values and ethics? Are we or are we not? Are we just going to uh, be focused on bullying the media for covering our story? Or are we going to actually, um, I don't know, punish the dude who slapped his wife twice? It's going to be interesting to see what happens in Las Vegas this, this weekend. Got a UFC show. I'm sure Dana White's not going to be there. I, I would be, I would be shocked if you see a Dana White public appearance for UFC Vegas 67 on Saturday. I'd be shocked. Yeah, I would be shocked as well. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think the days are numbered, but mm-hmm. yeah, we shall see, man. Let's talk about something, something else that, uh, any, any other positive stories, huh? Oh, wait, well, never mind. Well, I mean, look, we, we do got two positive stories, but before we get into those positive stories that have happened over the past couple of days, gotta let you know about our friends over at Harry's as they have got a great offer for the MMA report podcast lister. And look, we all, we all know this cliche we hear right now, this time of the year, new year, new me, which for a lot of people may be about, Hey man. Well, okay, I need to lose some weight. I, I know I need to lose some weight. I need to get to the gym, but I'm trying to avoid the gym for the next couple of weeks, Daniel, because, well, you know what the gym looks like here. But uh, but we, we put the we want to put a new me into you in 2023. You got to take a test drive with Harry's as Harry's has the tools for that clean shave that you need. Absolutely, man. I'm getting ready to use my Harry's once again. I got the Truman set from Harry's. Oh my goodness gracious, my girlfriend loved the way I was feeling, and I love the way I was feeling. And the Truman set, it's a complete men's shaving set. The box, the packaging, it's elegant. You get the the razor, you get the blade, you get the shave gel. The product from Harry is absolutely amazing. And as a man, well, I shave a couple times a week. Uh, basically, anytime I'm going to go out and see people. And there's no one, no product I trust more than Harry's to make sure I look and feel amazing. And the great offer that they have right now for the MMA Report podcast list. You talked about Daniel's on the road, so he needs that great cover that they have over there at Harry's. The Truman Shave Trial set is a $15 value for the MMA Report podcast list. They got a great deal for you. Get it for just $3 at harrys.com slash Report. When you hit that unique URL that lets Harry's know that you heard about here on the MMA Report podcast, no matter how new your new you is, look sharp all year long with Harry's get a $15 Truman shave trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash MMA report. That's harrys.com slash MMA report for a $3 trial set. We'll put that link in the show notes so you can click it right there. And of course, when you go there and let's Harry's know about you heard about them here on the MMA report podcast, appreciate our support here of the podcast. Now, Daniel, when you talk about the positive news and we kind of, we talked about this a little bit earlier it feels like you know i mean what was it last uh man i was i was out of town so it was like i think it was like your last wednesday or last thursday i wake up to a text message hey man jake paul signed with the pfl and, you know you wake up i'm like am i dreaming 
And then I'm like, and then I get the press release and you see all that, a great video that they did, a massive signing for PFL. I mean, let's, let's get PFL a lot of kudos here. If you would have told me that Jake Paul is signing with the MMA organization, I would have put all my money that he was signed with Bellator because of the Showtime relationship that Jake Paul already has. This is a massive W for PFL to bring in. You know, now it's going to come to the question of the, the super fight division that they're talking about with Jake Paul is what kind of matchups can they create? Obviously, Jake Paul wants a matchup against Nate Diaz. Uh, Nate Diaz, I don't know if you saw this, just trolling Jake Paul just tweets the Ryzen logo on his Twitter. I'm like, oh, that, that is classic date. But it made me think about like this may be a precursor. Like as we as we progress in 2023, this may be a thing that we, we look back on and say, boy, if Jake Paul doesn't sign with the PFL, did they get this fighter? Did they get that fighter? For, maybe it's Francis Ngannou. Francis Ngannou has some images out there where he's got family members wearing PFL shirts, which, you know, makes you kind of wonder about, about certain aspects there, but this is a massive signing. Kudos to PFL. This is, uh, this is an A plus signing for them. This feels like a great start to the year for PFL. And I tell you what, PFL is a promotion that we both criticized heavily this past year. I think it was fair criticism. They had to spend like 50 bucks on a crap pay-per-view. The pay-per-view itself was enjoyable, but the fight quality in terms of like, it wasn't pay-per-view quality. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, they now have a pay-per-view star. His name is Jake Paul. They can do all these pay-per-views, sell it at that price point, and they will do good and big business. PFL is off to the right start. I also think I just want to talk to the PFL and be nice to them because maybe they'll give me some of the extra money they have because, by God, they have so much money, it's crazy. I mean, to get in business with Jake Paul, it, it, it costs a lot of money. Um, Jake Paul is someone who I think you just you, – you, you brought up a good point. He's, he's He has a real gravity to him that brings people around him. I mean, you look at what he did in the boxing industry, having these cards with Amanda Serrano on him. People want to be with Jake Paul. He isn't just going to show up to a fight. He's also going to be your advocate. He's going to use your mm -hmm. social media platform. In his initial video, he mentioned various PFL fighters racing their platforms. The signing Jake Paul, in my opinion, is the number one person you could have signed if you're the PFL. I was I would have said Nate Diaz, but I didn't realize Jake Paul was on the table. I mean, now Jake's got to go out there and fight. Yeah. And it's going to really depend on the matchups. Um, Jake Paul is going to struggle against good mixed martial arts fighters. Mm -hmm. He is. I, I just, there, there's a difference between boxing and mixed martial arts. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's as simple as that. Jake's a great athlete. I don't know. What did he say? He was going to fight at lightweight or welterweight. I, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't so, notice if, if he said, a he weight probably, class. They, probably didn't, they probably didn't say it, but my, my guess, my guess would be, middle i mean i mean they could i mean maybe it's going to be like because i want to say for boxing he's like in the let's see like in the 190 range i want to say oh is 84 so for sure area? for sure not lightweight then probably middleweight um look there will never be a universe in my opinion where jake paul uh is able to beat a top 15 ufc middleweight <laughs> i don't think that will ever happen could be wrong he's he's shown success in the in boxing but uh, with careful matchmaking, he can do a lot of good business with the PFL. That, to me, becomes really the big question mark. Don Davis, in the, the press release, basically said he's not going to get an easy matchup, which I'm like, 
if I'm running the PFL, I'm trying to make sure I, I get the right matchup. You know, Ben Askren's already talked about he'd be willing to, to have an MMA matchup. I'm like, I don't know if I'm Jake Paul, if I, I really want to go into MMA matchup with, with Ben Askren, but maybe he would. Maybe you say, you know what, Ben's, you know, he's aged a lot and, and maybe he doesn't have the same abilities there, but this is a massive signing for PFL. Kudos to them. Also, let's give some kudos to Bellator. Yesterday, they announced they have re-signed Asian Key. Apparently, he only had one fight left on, on his contract. That's a, 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 like Jake Paul being a massive W for PFL. Bellator re-signing AJ McKee is a massive W for them. Yeah, it was, and it was surprising. I thought AJ McKee, honestly, I thought he was UFC bound. He had that talent level, and I thought he had that aspiration. But it didn't seem like he was going to chase that back. And then he probably found a back, but just happened to have Scott Cooker's signature on that bag. It's a big sign for Bellator. It shows Bellator has a pulse. And obviously, Scott Coker uh, announces the lightweight tournament and the combatants in it. Um, and it's a great sign. And I think both Bellator and PFL should feel good about heading into the new year. Bellator's got some good mojo. I mean, they went 5-0 and in that Bellator versus Ryzen show. Um, one note on that one is all I got to say is I watched the uh, the entire show. Um uh, Damian Brown was is a really good color commentator on the prelims, mm-hmm. um, but he was commentating from uh, like not on location. So there was a couple uh, times I've that's never not seen. That's not shocking to me. Okay, in, I, in today's I mean, world, that's not shocking. But bro, I've never seen this in a broadcast. My man's Wi-Fi must have had issues because he was literally not coming in clear during times in the broadcast. I'm like, damn, bro, that's wild. But I will say Damian Brown from like a technical aspect, holy crap, that is a damn good color commentator. Like I don't even remember what it was because it's been a while, but he like called something that was going to happen like a knockout, Mm -hmm. and then it immediately happened. Anyways, um, oh, but my big point was this. The presentation horizon is undefeated. It's literally like pro wrestling. I love it. Uh, It's great. They tell great stories. I'm watching all these fights in the prelims where I don't even know who the hell these guys are. And the video packages are in Japanese. I don't even know what the hell is happening, but I have a vague idea what's happening. Uh, There's a dude rapping to the ring. I love this crap. And it was a good show. And Bellator went 5-0. and And I'm glad they did it. And now they head into the new year with momentum with the uh, signing of AJ McKee. Yeah, it's a great signing, and of course, then today it is revealed the lightweight Grand Prix is now set. It's going to start in March, and uh, you know, obviously, AJ McKee is going to be in this field. Uh, it was I, what I did find interesting is that Brent Premise, a former champion, is not in this field. Uh, the press release uh, did indicate that the uh, tournament alternates have not been determined, uh, but Premise' name was mentioned, Islam Maidov's name was mentioned as well. So you got eight man lightweight Grand Prix. So you got uh, Usman Ramag. Madoff, AJ McKee, Tafik Musayev, Alexander Shalby, Patricky Pitzel, Mansar, Barnaque, Benson Henderson, Sydney Outlaw. Here to me is the, uh, and, and I got this tweet yesterday, which uh, let me find the tweet. I know I sent it to you, where basically it was uh, a person responding to me and it called Usman versus AJ McKee. Uh, this was uh, from at uh, official MMA police. He goes, now make Usman Magoff versus AJ McKee. Biggest fight in the promotion can make currently. I think for, I would, I still think it's, Patri- it's uh, Patricio Pitbull, AJ McKee, but you can sell me that Usman Magoff, AJ McKee is the biggest fight Bellator can make right now. And, and then becomes the question mark. If you're Scott Coker, do you go straight to that matchup 
Or do you risk it, put them both on opposite sides of the bracket and hope that's your final? Okay, if I'm Scott Coker, I um, I put I, I try and go to the finals. What do I think Scott Coker is going to do? Based on the history of how he's been doing these tournaments, I believe he's going to do that first. I, I wonder. Scott Coker's a great promoter. Yeah. Does Scott Coker have Usman? Let, let's just say he defends the title against Musayev. Just throw a name out there. If you're looking maybe more long-term, Daniel, do you put A.J. McKee versus Patricky Pitbull in the opening round? That's a good idea. I like that a lot. I think that's a great idea. It's a great matchup. I, I think it's a great storyline. Great storyline if he beats him. And the other thing is, let's say A.J. beats Patricky. Well, maybe Patricio can be a replacement now in the tournament. You know, <laughs> you know, maybe the semifinals happen, and uh, you know, uh, oh, maybe the semifinals are uh, AJ and Usman, and then oh God, who's coming in the finals? Oh crap, Patricio is parachuting in to the finals, and now we got ourselves a story. I I, I like where your head's at. I will say, man, uh, I would not do Usman and Musayev though, because like. Uh, Crap, I think Musayev might be like the number three guy I would rank in this tournament. Like, um, when I look at these guys and I'm power ranking from like a talent level, I'm probably going Usman, McKee, probably going Musayev three. And then it's either Shabali, Barnoui, or Pitbull in, in, the, in the, the next slot. And I don't know which one. I think Alexander Shabali probably knocked out Primus from this tournament. I think the one dude who, st- who sticks out is Sidney Atlaw. I don't necessarily think he should be in this in this eight man field. I think Bellator should have gone and um, it, you know I think they should have signed Eddie Alvarez mm-hmm. and put him in this tournament um, and, and put him in that spot. But you know I, I think Outlaw is the eighth seed in my opinion. He, okay, if I'm putting my Scott Coker Mike Kogan hat on right now, let's just say we go AJ McKee Patricky Pipple. That's one of our quarterfinal matchups. Yeah. You want to help build the brand of Usman Nurmagomedov? Benson? Yes. Yeah, I agree with you. Then it becomes kind of interesting of what you do with the other four in this situation. I would probably do Musayev versus Outlaw and Shabli versus Banuri. Okay. Ooh, I, I feel like Mansour and Shabli are the two um, really talented fighters with no name value. These are the two guys that could win the whole tournament. Um, I think Musayev is he he's a killer, and I think the fight with Outlaw could be a highlight reel performance. So boom, and then you have Musayev, the winner, Shabli Barnui, and then probably Usman and AJ. Barnui may be the um the guy no one knows about, but is really the guy we need to be paying attention to, depending on the type of matchup he gets. Yeah, he's one of those dudes who's just been around a very long time in the non major non-american major promotions and has had great success notable losses to Mahachep, but he's been on some impeccable runs and and out of anyone i think he could be the star coming out of this tournament that that elevates his game it also could just be musayev like musayev could just he, he he's been awesome he really has been awesome and this is a great opportunity this is a great tournament I'm excited for it. I was kind of hoping Patricio would be in it so we could have a, a warrior situation, 
where we'd have two brothers meet in the finals. I, 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 I was thinking about that yesterday. Well, I was I was driving the grocery store, and I'm like, would they put two brothers in the tournament? I would. I, would wonder, love that. I, I wonder if they even called up the management of the Pitbull brothers and said, "Hey, do both want so. in?" I don't think so, bro. I don't think so. That would be one of those common sense situations where you don't want to. Because I feel like you could piss them off by even suggesting it. <laughs> but yeah, that's a, I feel like that's a gimmick that's happened before. Like some random promotion has probably done it. But yeah, at a bigger scale, I would love two brothers who just hate each other fight. Oh my God. That's got to happen before I'm dead in, in yeah. a major MA promotion. I don't know. Yeah, that's got to happen. Yeah, it, it's bound to happen. But I mean, look, it, it's a great field that Bellator has put together. It starts in March. Uh, the other note that I thought was interesting from Scott's interview with Ariel was the fact of, um, you know, basically he talked about how the CBS card kind of came together. And he said, you know, uh, talks on going, but he would, he'd really like to have two to three events a year on, on CBS. We'll, we'll see if that happens. Uh, so let's get into some bold predictions. This is something that a listener of ours had asked us to do here. And, um, <laughs> I got one that I don't think is quite bold, but I put it in the bold category. Okay. Hamzat Shamayev is a UFC champion by the end of 2023. I'll give it to you. I mean, that that's a damn good one. Which, uh, But I tell you what, if you're going to go bold, you got to tell me about weight class. 170. 170. Okay, I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, I think that's a real strong possibility. And I'll, I'll just say this. I also had one like that and it was going to be a welterweight champion but i was thinking that the uh the bold prediction would be the new ufc welterweight champion will be shavkat rachmanov at the end of the year Ooh. by that point i believe rachmanov will be the ufc welterweight champion so i feel like yours was bold but if it was on an episode of hot ones mine would be like the last dab wing <laughs> and your prediction would be like the second wing, okay? Mine's a little spicier. I'll give you my second bull prediction. Okay. I want to see this fight happen, uh-huh. but I'm going to say Francis Ngannou versus John Jones does not happen, and Francis Ngannou is in the PFL. Damn. Damn, that's a good one. I was thinking about doing Francis to PFL. What if that fight happens in the PFL? What if Francis fights Cain Velasquez in the PFL? Yeah, no, I think uh, I think that's a hell of a prediction. Who the hell is Francis going to fight at heavyweight outside the UFC, bro? That I think would, he'd, that would be that would be your super fight series that Jake Paul's putting together with them. What? Who's out there? Who's out there though? Like, um, who's out there to take him on, man? I can't I can't think of a single. I mean, it's the Bellator heavyweight roster is halfway decent. Uh, but damn, yeah, Francis would just destroy most people. Uh, that's a good prediction. I'll go. I'll go PFL too. My mine are bold. Mine aren't going to happen, but they're bold. Uh, the PFL has a signing. This man returns out of retirement. Uh, George St. Pierre fights in the PFL. Ooh. Okay, I like it. I like outside it. Of the, outside of the UFC contract, you know, maybe he fights Jake Paul. Uh, maybe he fights Anderson Silva. I don't know, but let's get GSP another fight in the, and it'll be in a PFL okay. banner. All right, I like it. I have one more bold prediction. Okay, okay, what do you got? Viacom sells Bellator. Okay, so this goes hand in hand. I have two more, and this goes hand in hand with one of mine. 
I feel like you went bold, but I just went bolder. Unless, do you have a name of a company? I went specific. I, I, I say, I, I would tell you this. In terms of making this industry better, I know who should buy them. Who? The PFL. Oh. Could wow. you ima- Could you imagine if those two organizations merged, whether it's the PFL buys, buys Bellator from Viacom, whatever, and you could have the Bellator roster incorporate with the PFL roster and you have Scott Coker as the promoter. I think they could do some very dangerous things. I think so too. That's that's interesting. That is very very interesting. Um I like that a lot. My bold prediction was just that Amazon would buy Bellator. Uh seems like they want to get in the, in the live sports business. They are in it with uh 1FC with Thursday night football. Amazon has a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Put that in the portfolio. And then my last bold prediction, uh, it, it's in the commentary booth. I think Joe Rogan retires from UFC commentary. I think this will be his last year commentating. I'm I'm with you on that one. Yeah, I don't I don't see Rogan around much longer. Yeah, yeah, or maybe he's yeah. I, I just uh, it it just it has that vibe to it. I mean, he could do the job for the next twenty years, <laughs> but it does seem like he he's you know he he's. He's been doing it for a very, very long time. He has plenty of other things to do with his time. He's he's a hell of a commentator. He 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 really is. He's a legend in this sport. He, he he's another one of those polarizing figures. Hell, it seems like every MA person's polarizing at this point. But uh, yeah, he I think this will be his last year. Another bold prediction I thought of is no one successfully defends a UFC light heavyweight title in twenty twenty three. Well, that you see, that's interesting because basically, I think we're only going to get two light heavyweight championship fights in the year. I was thinking three, three. When's the when's the first one? Oh crap! Next, we got next, Jamal Hill next week. <laughs> oh crap! So we will get three. We will, we will totally get three. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm thinking January, then like uh, May, so, June, July ish, and then December. So it's like all right. So like Jamal Hill versus uh, Glover, right? Who who who? Does um does the winner just fight Ankalaev? You would, and then what's that? You you would imagine that would be the case, and then and, the, and then that person fights Yuri. Yeah, <sighs> yeah, I could. That's a good prediction. It, it's bold because, like, yeah, uh, but interesting, interesting here, stuff. Here, here's another bold prediction I thought of, but I didn't know who would beat this fighter. Valentina Shevchenko loses the flyweight title. Wow, you could just say it like that and be, and maybe she could she could relinquish it. But hold on, let me let me uh, let me um, let me look at this. Let me look at this division. Uh, let me see which woman I think could beat Valentina in the women's flyweight division. Well, crap. Um, is it cheap to just say Talia Santos? Okay, there's an obvious answer. No, Fiorot. Uh, I was going to say Blanchfield. Okay, yeah, that's an that's an argument. There's some there's some up and coming fighters that division. Also, someone asked me on, on Twitter yesterday: Should Bellator incorporate a 125 pound men's division? And my response was: Can they develop a division, or are you just talking about it's Koji Horiguchi against somebody? Yeah, yeah, I don't think. Um... 
I don't think there's a, there's a lot of talent out there for for a, for a one twenty five division in Bellator. I mean, I don't think there is either. I, I think that that would be the struggle for Bellator. Uh, by the way, speaking of uh, Bellator personalities, let's get into agree disagree. Josh Thompson found this over at uh, MMAJunkie.com, says uh, Benil Daryush, only one who has what it takes to beat Islam Mahachev. And this is what Josh Thompson said on his podcast weighing in. The only one would be Dariush. That's it. He's the only one that I think has a style to beat Mahachev. He's so unorthodox. He doesn't fight like a normal fighter. You want to stay and trade with Islam? I'll take you down. You want to wrestle with me? I'll stuff your takedowns and force you to stand. Dariush doesn't give an F where you take the fight. He does it in a very wild, crazy way. You're not expecting someone to go go granny roll right out of something into a leg lock, into a sit-up, and sweep. He's not trying to allow you to lock your hands around his body and get and get you taken down. If you do take him down, he's going to Gennady roll you, and if he Gennady rolls you, he's going to start fighting those hands. He's going to give up position, and he's going to fight at a pace at Islam. I know he's always in phenomenal shape, but he likes to slow it down. We agree, disagree with Josh Thompson. Look, so like I will say, Beno Dariush is a super fun fighter, and the way Josh outlined it explains why he's super fun. But I disagree with with Josh um, because of just the way he framed it, where he said that Benel is the only one who has what it takes to beat Islam. Look, I think Islam Mahachev is going to be a favorite against every top fifteen lightweight in the UFC. But to say that Dariush is the only one or has the best chance of being Islam, I think is untrue. Um, I think there are plenty of guys that have a shot to beat Mahachev. I think Chandler. I mean, not, I'm sorry, not Chandler. Fazif, Dariush, mm-hmm. Oliveira may be in a rematch. Um, Gamrot. These are all fighters. Poye. These are all fighters who could theoretically beat Mahachev. It's not a. It's not a foregone conclusion. I like what Josh is saying there, but Dariush is certainly not the only one with the possibility and not the favorite to beat Islam. Yeah. I mean, also, I, also freaking Volkanovsky. Yeah. I, I would disagree with that statement. And uh, yeah, I mean, as, as we look at the fights that are booked, you know, over the next couple of weeks as one of the matchups that intrigues me uh, the most to see what happens there. And uh, of course, you know, a headline we didn't mention about how beat apparently going to retire from coaching. This didn't last very long. I know it's like if uh, it's like uh, who was a great who was a great NFL coach this year um, that was a first year coach. See, not Lovey Smith. Um, well, Sirianni's uh, in year two. Yeah, so okay, it's like if Nick Sirianni uh, won the Super Bowl and then retired after yeah. one year, bro. Like, like uh, that's a. But the thing is, it does seem like Habib's probably going to come back, right? Isn't it? He's going to spend time with his family. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look yeah. at fir- yeah, first year coaches have taken um, their teams to playoffs this year. McDaniel's down in Miami. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, well, yeah. And uh, you've got um, Brian Dabble up in uh, the Giants. He's done a great coaching job this year. They have. So it's just like you just get started. You you win the championship and eh, deuces. Khabib's so good. He accomplishes his dreams in, in two years. And then he can call it a day. Uh, yeah. I um. I, I really hope he comes back soon because I really love having him in, in the world of mixed martial arts. He appears to be such a good leader, bro. When I saw the uh, the God dang it, what the hell is that dude's videos called? The the dude Will Harris. 
anatomy of a fighter. Yeah, when he followed uh, Islam, and I'm watching mm-hmm. the Islam's camp, and I'm just like Khabib's talking about like how every he's just talking about like weak links and stuff like that, and I was ready to just run through a wall, and I'm just like, this dude is just a born leader. So I hope he gets back at it, uh, but I also hope he come on does whatever the hell that makes him happy, and it seems like he's going to do that, and and uh, you know be there for his family because you know being in in professional sports is a major sacrifice of your time. It is. It is an absolute sacrifice. It's not a nine to five. It's a twenty four seven, three sixty five type job. And uh, Habib is, is is taking a step back. Uh, we got some breaking news into the pod. What is it? I don't know what it is. I don't you're know not, what it you're, is. You're not going to believe what I'm about to tell you. Media day is going on today in Las Vegas as we're doing the show. Guess who went to the podium? Dana. Yes. Jesus Christ. I'm trying I'm trying to see if uh can get any uh if there's maybe any quotes out there. I wouldn't I I'm floored by this. Um how is yes. not how is every question not about the slap? I, I'm I don't know. I don't know what's what's going on there, but I'm just assuming like uh I'm assuming yeah, I'm trying to see if there's anything on Twitter that relates to quotes that he's saying. Um, just talk about how he, he spoke to the media. Well, I see, uh, I see some quotes from Jedi Goodman. Oh, uh, here, here you go, Aaron Bronster. He's always on top of it. So, uh, I'm pulling up the thread here. Uh, White says the folks in media should be on the fires. They're training and getting ready for their fights. What happened on New Year's Eve is my mistake, not theirs. And if one of the fighters wants to voice their opinion on it, then all means they can. I'm sure you guys have seen the TMZ video and seen my interview. It's It was obvious, a horrible personal experience, and there's no excuse for it. It's something that I'm going to have to deal with and live with for the rest of my life. One thing I do want to clarify that I didn't talk about on TMZ because I didn't expect, I didn't see it coming, are the people defending me. There's no defense for this, and people should should not be defending me over this thing no matter what. All the criticism I received this week is 100% warranted and, and will receive in the future. And you know me, especially when the people that I don't like start coming after me, no one fires back more than I do. Everybody has an opinion on this, and they're right to have their own opinions. I was very opinionated on this too, and I still am. My reason for being here today is that I wanted you to focus on athletes and not me. Um, this uh, Bronster goes on to uh, tweet. He says, "White on whether there will be repercussions. What should the repercussions be? You tell me. I take 30 days off. How does that hurt me? Me leaving the company hurts my employees, hurts the fires. It doesn't hurt me. I could have left in 2016. Uh, White continues. He goes, I've been against this. I've owned this. I'm telling you that I'm wrong, but listen, we've had plenty of discussions internally with RE, ESPN. Nobody's happy about this, neither am I, but it happened and I have to deal with it. Here's my punishment. I have to walk around for however long I live, and this is how I'm labeled now. The other punishment that a lot of people, whether it be the media, fighters, friends, acquaintances who have respect for me, might not have respect for me now. There's a lot of things that I'm going to have to deal with for the rest of my life that are way more of a punishment than what a 30-day or 60-day absence that's not a punishment to me. The punishment is that I did it, and now I have to deal with it. 
I know a lot of you. I don't know what you do when you go home. I don't know what you're into. Nobody knows you better than your kids do. They know everything. So whatever perceptions people might have you, no one knows better than your kids. Uh, This is a personal family matter that played out public. And our biggest focus was our kids. You want to talk about people being disappointed. Who's going to be more disappointed than your kids. And that's what we've really been focused on. So I'm guess I'm guessing based on this, that maybe he just came out and made a statement. Um, Hey man, I'm, I'm shocked. We got Dana white coming to the podium today. I'm shocked. That that is something I would not have expected. Look, there's a lot of things where he is owning it and that's, that's good. But when he talks about the punishment and he just blows by it where he's like, suspend me for 30 days. Well, that's going to harm them. You know, it's not about who it harms. It's not about how important you are to the organization. It is about having consequences for actions. And an organization should have consequences for hitting your wife. Mm -hmm. And the consequences for a leadership position should be significant. I've said it time and again. I like Dana White. I do. I still think he should be gone from the UFC. And at the bare minimum, it should be a one-year suspension. I just believe as a society, we should really, really, really make it clear that it is not okay to hit your wife. It is not okay to do domestic violence. And the one thing that pisses me off when I hear this quote, and I and I heard in the DC's quote too, man. Oh, quit, quit, quit using your kids as a as a freaking shield. Mm-hmm. I I do hate that. I I hate the spinner. Well, mm-hmm. obviously that's hard on them, but do, but don't use the. It, to me, you're using them as a shield to change the like conversation when we just need to be laser focused on what are the consequences and the reason why i believe we need to be laser focused on what are the consequences is because in in this world when there are so much in in this world where talking means nothing because everyone's talking all the time on social media all the time words 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 the only thing that truly matters is actions and the only thing that's happened out of the ufc and endeavor is inaction. They're saying that it's okay. They're saying it's okay. But this is what they're saying, straight up. If you hit your wife two times and it's caught on camera, it is business as usual. It's as simple I, as that. That's why I go back to this point. Is if this was a fighter, how is this handled differently from the UFC ownership group endeavor. How is this story different? And I'm not, and and I think I feel like everyone is on the same page as me. We can all kind of have disagreements about how this, the story has been covered, but to me, it comes down to, is it different? I will give Dana white. I shocked. He went up there, by the way, you know, Sean Strickland's fighting and now in the main event, replacing Kevin Gaslam. He stepped up to the podium. You ready for this quote? What What did he say? I feel like it's probably going to be stupid. So uh, this comes from Amy Kaplan on, on Twitter. 
Sean Strickland opens his media interview wearing his glasses from getting his medicals done, then launches into a story about how he asked Anthony Pettis if he was autistic because he wore glasses inside the P.I. I... Nothing surprised me. It comes out of Sean Strickland's mouth, by the way. Nothing shocks me. I... I... I don't even know... What to say? You don't. You don't. Yeah, you don't. (laughs) Jesus, what the hell? I'm just glad he's not commenting on the Dana White situation (sighs) because I don't want to hear his thoughts um, on that. When when the hell did he fight? Did he not fight like a month ago? He was the main event of the last UFC card. Remember, he took on Jared Cannonier. That was like okay. So not a lot happened in that fight. That fight did go 25 minutes. Oh man, he's gonna be so pissed if he loses another close decision. I, I've he's seen a so lot pissed. of I've seen a lot of sharp people who are uh, getting hunched Strickland to win by decision here against Imovov. Well, I think, yeah, I think I think Strickland's my pick for sure. Um, I just, I mean, the stand-up's better in my opinion. Um, I mean, the difference is preparation. That's a major difference, and that obviously goes in the favor of Imovov. Um, I like. I would have picked Imovov to beat Gastelum, but I'm picking Strickland to beat Imovov in in this fight night. Uh, I tell you what, we're easing into the UFC schedule. I mean, this is a this is a fight card that is okay. It's okay, but there's there's a couple fights to jump out, right? Like like Umar Nurmagomedov mm-hmm. versus Ronnie Ronnie Barcelos. Holy crap, that's a good fight. Uh, actually, the whole main card is dope. Um, actually. Actually, I stand corrected. I I, uh, I like this card. The more I look at it, uh, Umar and Ronnie's good. Caitlin Vieira, Raquel Pennington, the Solid Women's Bantamweight fight. Puna's always fun to watch at middleweight, and, and Copy Love's a nice opponent. Ige and Damon Jackson is just a great fight. Uh, not much star power, but I'm excited to have uh, the UFC back in my life. And uh, I mean, I look forward to this card. Yeah, I had a great conversation with Damon Jackson a couple weeks ago. Um, leading this wing is Dan Ige. He told a great story. Basically, essentially, this matchup gets made via uh, Instagram DM, essentially. <laughs> These two guys, and and how has Dan Ige bounced back? I mean, this is really going to put Damon Jackson kind of where's the position he goes in there. Um, you know, so, uh, Soriano and Kapalov may be uh, outside the main event, maybe the fight that intrigues me the most. Uh, you mentioned, I mean, you mentioned some great ones there. Uh, Nirmaga Madoff. Uh, Isaac Dolgari was supposed to be on this card. Uh, he's uh, withdrew. There's, they've already got a replacement in there, which was going to be interesting because I, I doubt Dolgarian was going to be made available to the media today. You know why? Um, I'm going to guess it has something to do with James Krause. He was a he has been coached by James Krause, and uh, really, I mean, that's kind of a story that really nothing really new has happened on that situation. I will tell you that on uh, Sunday's episode of the podcast, uh, I got Don Shanus coming on, uh, who uh, a Northeast fighter who had made his way to Lee, some Missouri. And he is now back in the Northeast. And, and I told the PR guy, I said, I go, you know, I got to ask the question, right? <laughs> and what did the PR guy say? He said, it's fair game. Yeah. I mean, like, look, I'm not going to paint him down a bad picture, but I'm going to sit there and say, man, what went to your decision to move back to the Northeast? And, and just see what he says. You know, I'm yeah. like, I'm not going to bring up Krause's name. 
but I'm going to, you know, basically say, Hey man, you know, I'm, I'm told you're back training in the Northeast. What made you decide to go back to the Northeast? Yeah. You're not going to ask him like, are you part of the discord? You know? <laughs> no, I'm not going to ask him that now, but there, yeah, there, yeah. there, for anyone who has trained at glory for their foreseeable future, it's gotta be a question that get at, gets asked. How, how did, as a, a interviewer, how do I not ask the question? Because if I don't ask the question, people are going to look at me and go, Jason, come on. It's the most obvious question to ask. Yeah. I mean, if your coach literally gets ostracized from the sport and investigated by the FBI and you have to leave, I mean, it, it's one of the most relevant things you could ask someone if you're interviewing them. Yeah. yeah. But it's interesting. There, there's just been nothing on that story. That story's just gone really quiet. I feel like Dana's going to be happy to answer questions about James Krause now. He's going to be like, uh, so the FBI gave me uh, the uh, timeline if y'all want to talk about that. <laughs> oh, man. Y'all want to talk some Krause stuff? Uh, no, you don't. Uh, how about uh, the WWE in Saudi Arabia? That's uh, crazy. I'm I, I would I'm I'm interested I'm interested to go back and watch this Dana White's um yeah, is it was this it. just was this just a situation where he just you know grabbed the mic made his comment and walked or was the media able to ask questions I don't know I, I feel like there's part of me that sits there and says without knowing what happened that it was just a statement but then there's a part of me that says I feel like Dana would take questions Yeah I know I think we're going to have to re-record our podcast. Look, man, it's 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 a live live uh, instant reaction <laughs> in the yeah. middle of the pod. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, man. It is absolutely crazy. But I mean, it's good to get back in the swing of things, man. We're going to kick ass this year. Uh, we're going to watch this card. There's a one FC card going on too. You know, I've got some more free time, so maybe I'll check that out. Um, yeah, I've, I've got I've got quote unquote kind of like a weekend off. Because the Bucks don't play till Monday, so uh, yeah, I'm able to I'm able to catch a lot of this. Uh, me and Peter doing live shows on Friday and Saturday for this card, so people can check out that over on the uh, Fight HQ YouTube channel. We'll be doing live shows on uh, Friday at two o'clock, and then on Saturday at three o'clock, and uh, then on Saturday, man, it's it's got to be a little split TV action for me, Daniel. I got a guy watching the UFC, but also I gotta I gotta have my eye on what's going on in the NFL playoffs. Yeah, man, you got to. Uh, I, I, uh, I, man, this is going to be a struggle for me because I'm in an Airbnb where I don't have a TV, but I'm going to be keeping tuned, but it's going to be mostly my laptop. I'm using to watch stuff, or maybe I'll just go to a, a restaurant or something, but, uh, you know, I'm excited, man. There's a lot of great storylines in the NFL to, it's crazy how many different storylines, obviously Tom Brady, uh, <laughs> I don't know how many Super Bowls he has. I don't know if he has more Super Bowls and rings. But he's looking at another one. You have so many good stories. I mean, the Buffalo Bills after what happened with DeMar Hamlin. And it's so great that he got discharged in the hospital. I mean, Joe Burrow trying to come back after after losing the year prior. Uh, The Pittsburgh Steelers, they're somehow in it. What the hell? They're not. Oh, they're not in it? No. Oh, damn. The Dolphins got the last seed. The Dolphins got it over them? Yeah. Can can, uh, Can the NFL just change that? No offense to the Dolphins, my, but my, like two was out. My, so my, buddy, my buddy Tracy is a huge Dolphins fan, and uh, uh-huh. we were we went to the Lightning game last night, and even he looked at we we said I was like if two doesn't play, they don't they don't stand a chance of winning that game. 
Yeah, who are they playing? Buffalo. The Chiefs? Oh, the Bills. Oh, did the Chiefs have the Chief- one seed? Yeah, yeah, Chiefs had the bye. Oh, okay. Yeah. Dude, all I got to say is, man, uh, it sucks that the Texans won on a Hail Mary, and I'm not happy about it. I mean, that's the most Texans thing of all time, that we went on a Hail Mary, and we lose the one number one overall draft pick, bro. And you know Bryce Young or CJ Stroud is going to get picked number one probably by a trade, and he's going to be like a Hall of Famer, and then whoever <laughs> we get is going to freaking flame out. I hate my sports teams, man. They make me so sad. Yeah, it's uh sucks. Yeah. When, when I when I I was going to the airport after our game on, on Sunday, then I saw all that. I was like, "Wow, wow, crazy!" You, you knew Lovey Smith probably got like told the news, and he was like, "Ah, screw y'all. We're winning this one for the Gipper." And uh, yeah, also it kind of you know. Man, there's some weak defense by the Colts, my man. Weak defense by the Colts on that Hail Mary. I mean, that was a, that was an, that was one of the easiest Hail Mary passes I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it was crazy. Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll yeah. see. But yeah, that, that's all I'll be doing on Monday night. Be at uh, Raymond James Stadium. So uh, go Bucks. Let's go out there and get that get that W. Move on and see whether we're. Wherever uh, you know how this playoffs is going to unfold. So, uh, but of course, as always, we appreciate you taking time out of your day. Download this episode of podcast. Of course, be sure to check out that offer Harry's as for the MMA Report podcast listener. You can check that out uh, in the show notes and in the description below for that link of the great offer they have for the MMA Report podcast listener. Let's go do it for this episode of the MMA Report podcast. We can check out on your favorite podcasting platform and on the MMA Report YouTube channel.